0: three two one oh my goodness good morning good afternoon whatever it is for you I hope you're having a fantastic day my name is Zach Shomler this is strong opinion sports episode 359 welcome in we have a ton to catch up on uh, let me get this just outright right out of the way um, the first topic today is not about sports it's all about me uh, it's a life update. Uh, And if you don't care and you want to skip it, no problem. You're totally free to do that. I hope you have a a wonderful time listening to the rest of the show. Um, But you have been warned. I want to start today by talking about my life and about me. Uh, It's been about a week and a half since I did a show and I put out some big news on Instagram. I want to cover all of it. Uh, But I also want to say, first of all, um, I apologize. I'm really sorry. Uh, It's been over a week since I did an episode. It's been much longer than I thought it would be. Um, I was not planning on taking that long of a break. In fact, I thought during the break, I was gonna be able to get something done. Uh, although looking back at what I did, I mean, I moved, so I was moving and I'm like, ah, I'll be able to record while I'm moving. And I'm, you're an idiot, Zach. I don't know why I thought I could do that. Um, but man, uh, if anyone out there is upset or wanted a show or content and was kind of frustrated, they didn't get anything recently. I do apologize. It was not my intent. I took six days off. Um, I was slammed, I was moving, and kind of weird, unlike often, you know, for example, I went to Hawaii on vacation in February, and I still was writing every day, I was doing about two hours of writing and keeping up with the news cycle, and it's a lot of work to like, I I know it's it's fun, but it's a lot of work to stay up to date with the news cycle, and you gotta write every day, and um, during the six days I took off to move, I didn't write at all, (laughs) I didn't, I barely checked my phone, I was so busy, Uh, and I got back. You know, I moved and then came back home for briefly. And it's like I was buried under this pile of, oh my gosh, there's so much to catch up on. And it's taken me days and days and days. And I've watched like, I don't know, what's a, how many round one NBA playoff games were there? I watched every single round one NBA playoff game except for I've got one series left, the Suns and Lakers series to watch. Um, and, you know, in fact, this morning, uh, I, I, well, I guess I'm recording this today, but I did a second episode. Um, last night and I was going to record more of this episode and I just cut it off. I said, I'll do that later this week because I, I want to put out what I have. So anyway, um, I don't want to sacrifice the quality of the other stuff. Well, it might be a short episode, but I have some stuff I want to talk about Julio Jones. We'll talk about college football. Um, but I do want to start with some really, really big news. I put it out on Instagram. Um, my fiance and I are moving into a one bedroom apartment in Hawaii and um, obviously, I am very excited. It's my favorite place on planet Earth. I it's it's a lifelong dream of mine. I thought it was something that would never actually happen. I actually, when I was a kid, I was like, I don't know how you, you can't live there. And it, I have a job now where I'm very mobile. I can go live anywhere. Um, and now we are downsizing. Um, we're you know we're living in a 400 square foot apartment and, and one bedroom. But the one bedroom is going to be a. The, the studio for recording, like you know we if you walk into our apartment, you have a kitchen on one side and a bed on the other because the the quote living room where you normally would have a couch and a TV and stuff, that's where the bed is. And I'm very lucky to have a fiance who is so willing to deal with like you know, to go to go to Hawaii. She's like, yeah, we can sacrifice a ton to make it happen because we both want to be in Hawaii. And so I just'm I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's small. Um, but to me, it's and to us, it's totally worth it. And uh, and by the way, this is kind of crazy. I couldn't. I set up the internet a couple days ago. I got Spectrum, and uh, the internet is five times faster for less than half the price of what I pay now and have now. I have the fast internet you can have here. It's terrible, uh, and I pay through the roof. So to go somewhere else with faster internet that's cheaper, I'm like, that's a. I can't believe that. Um, and we were considering going to Florida. We were considering going to, I talked about Utah for a while. And then we got to a point where like, no, we want to go somewhere warm. We want to swim often. I love swimming. It's my favorite thing, like activity to do. And we were going to go to Florida. We're like, you know, we got to go to Orlando. We just can't, we can't make Hawaii happen. And basically we realized that Florida is like half of what we want. We don't actually want to be in Florida. We want to be somewhere warm with good water and, I, we just the more we did the math, the more we looked at, it, we're like, how, it's really not it, it, I don't know. I just we figured we could if we do everything we can to make it happen and really sacrifice and really cut back, we can make it happen. And so um last week we packed all of our stuff into not one, not two, but six different suitcases, three for her, three for me, and we moved. And so we're not shipping anything this desk uh, in front of me. Anybody want to buy it? I'll sell it to you. I'll sell you my TV or couch. It's all. we're getting rid of literally everything. Uh, we, got over there, we bought a bed and, uh, I have a plastic, what do you call it? A, um, like a plastic fold up table, which I actually, I started doing the show on a fold up table. So I got a fold up table. That'll be a makeshift desk for a while until I can get a new desk. Um, now eventually I'll buy a new one on the Island and hopefully make a really cool studio setup. But to be clear, we're 95% done moving. We've moved pretty much everything. We're going to move to the Island. Um, we're going to Oahu. Uh, and all the hard stuff is done. We're like done moving. We're, we're living here with very little, I I have like, you know, I have like five recording shirts and I have some shorts and one pair of swimming trunks and enough underwear to get me through a week. And like, and that's about it. I'm getting rid of everything else we have. And I, um, I don't know, we, we got there, we got to the Island we're moving and we, we, you know, we have your six suitcases plus a backpack. So I guess five total items full of stuff. And we get to the apartment and it's just filthy. It's just like, and it wasn't like cockroaches everywhere and dirt everywhere. It's just dust. And they did a remodel of the apartment, which is great, but they didn't clean up afterward. And so there was dust and dirt and paint spackle everywhere. And there's a wall, literally I have a video where you're cleaning the water like, oh, that's what the color of paint is underneath the, the water. Like, wow, that's crazy to me. And so... I thought maybe I would record while we were away. Like, I'll, you know, we'll move, I'll get set up, and then I'll just I'll do an, a show on the fly. Like, I thought maybe last Monday I'd record about the uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and talk about some basketball. And we spent six days just scrubbing the walls, literally, and cleaning and vacuuming. And we had 24 hours with a U-Haul. So we had to, in one day, we had to get all the stuff for, to furnish the apartment. We, meaning, like, and I'm not talking just a bed. It's like, you got to get a pan. You got to get uh, silverware. You got like, everything you need for an apartment. And, uh, it was a marathon. It was six days of craziness. And so now I'm back, uh, as I record pretty clearly, uh, you look around it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see like, I'm in the same room. Uh, I'm recording in the same location as before because I haven't actually moved my studio yet. Uh, I got about a month till I'm going to move the studio. Uh, I got a lot of stuff. I got to sell a bunch of stuff. I got to kind of finish up here where you have deal with the old landlord, Uh, a lot of stuff to finish up here before we leave Washington where I live. Um, but again, I, I want to say all the hard work is done, and I, that I guess I figured I knew that moving was going to cost me about a week of time. I didn't know it would be a full week where I didn't even have any time to check my phone, really. But I figured I'd lose a week, and I was like, I'd rather lose a week in June than in you know end of July, early August, when you have the NFL preseason happening and a bunch of stuff. So, uh, like I said, all I got left to move is my studio equipment. I'm very excited. Uh, the camera, the computer got a skeleton crew here like barely any clothes i got literally just my studio and there's i mean we have an empty living room right now it's we have a couch and a tv i I guess but like we got rid of a shelf and we got rid of like our kitchen table's gone and we just have there's nothing if you walk out your through a house you're like it's like it's like weird and full of boxes and half empty so um i don't know i just want to take a moment i guess to say thank you because man um it's been a dream of mine for years. And, and I, I always, as a kid, lo- loved Hawaii. I, I did the math very early on. I'm like, that's the best place to live in the world based on you know the infrastructure, the people who I, I met through football, a lot of Hawaiians, and they were so kind and welcoming to me. And then you know the weather, the, every, the beauty, the greenery. and I, I, But I was like, I mean, like 15, I was like, Hawaii is the best place to live in the world. And then I kind of let like go of that dream because I'm like, I'll never be able to make that happen. And so doing the math and looking at Florida, realizing Florida's more expensive than I would have thought, uh, and and then realizing like we, we actually got a crazy deal on our apartment. We got a, an apartment basically that's cheaper than it would have been for us to move to Florida or Utah or stay here. I, I, I think we're always going to look back on the apartment we have now and go, I can't believe we got what we got for that price. Now it's under renovation. It's not perfect, but I, I got to say I given how low we're paying, I thought for sure it'd be like cockroach infested and full of bugs. And it actually wasn't. I couldn't believe I was like, I walked in going where are the roaches? Cause I've seen that video so many times where you walk in, you see a video on YouTube where people walk in their apartment and there's all like, what are those black dots everywhere? Oh, they're bugs. And I expected that we didn't have that. Uh, and so I, I just am very fortunate. I'm very excited. Uh, and I just want to say a big, big thank you to all the people who watch and listen to strong opinion sports. I am, I'm so grateful. Uh, you guys have changed my life time and time again with, I, I have a career now. I, I talk about sports for a living and that's unbelievable and so fun and so crazy. Um, and I just keep, you know, I got an amazing fiance. I've got cool pets. I've got, it's just like, I keep making moves and, and trying to pursue my dreams. And I, I that's all possible because of the show, Strong Opinion Sports, which I started in a college dorm room, um, I guess about... The same size, you know, it's crazy, like, I always felt like my studio, like, dorm, like a dorm room, my studio was really big, and my my studio now in Hawaii is probably the same size as my dorm room used to be, and now I have, the fact that I have two rooms, one to sleep in and one to record in is still an upgrade compared to the room I had when I started the show, so I just, I can't say thank you enough, Uh, the new place is going to be a great spot to record content and to make good stuff. And the studio is really cool. I, I have a couple ideas of how I'm going to set it up. And we got the other show, Flawed Humans, where I think Liz is going to be on like a love seat. I'll be at the desk and we'll talk that way instead of her at a desk. And he will be a little farther away. It'll be kind of nice. Um, and I just, to be able to work and go to the beach and that's, that's my rhythm. I'm a very, I'm an introverted person. I'm not really, I love my family, I'm not that disappointed about not having to go to family get-togethers anymore. I'm kind of like I, – I just – I really – I love to work. I want to be at my desk every day, and I want to take a lunch break and go swimming, and that's the routine I want every single day. And so I, I just – man, I – i, I can't, I'm so happy, and I'm so thankful. Um, and, you know, I, I've i always wanted to live somewhere where I could feel proud of it. You know, I, I grew up in the Portland area, and it, it's just – I don't know. I I, I don't know yet. I, I, I'm i excited to go to Hawaii where I'm like, man, this is a place I'm, I'm happy to call home and I'm, I'm proud of and I can tell people like I live there and it's awesome. Uh, you know, Liz and I are making this massive change. And I got to tell you, based on my experience, there's never a convenient time. It's never easy uh, to make any kind of big move, particularly across the ocean. It's always going to be difficult. It's always going to be hard. But if you're a person who wants to do that, Don't be afraid to take that step. Um, I encourage everyone, go after your dreams. I I, I surely am am doing everything I can to pursue my dreams and my passions. And so I encourage you, do not settle uh, and go live the life you imagine. I just, oh, man. Um, As far as Hawaii goes, I'm coming with nothing but respect. Uh, I really, really... I, I, first of all, I mean, I, just to, between you and me, and I guess now everyone, because it's public, I, I, Hawaiian culture is something that I I love. I mean, I, I just, I really admire and respect that. And uh, Hawaii is a very special place. Uh, it's my favorite place on the planet. And I would like to be a part of helping keep it so special and keep it so nice. Uh, and I like the fact that it's, very remote and very removed uh it feels like a different country when you go there literally like this doesn't feel like it's not the mainland it's a different place and i like the time difference it's actually i think going to make content more easy because like you know, for example uh monday night football is at 2 p.m and i'm like oh yeah that's awesome i can't wait to like have lunch and then monday night football is on and guess what you wake up at seven o'clock and games have already started and you can just watch, you know. I, I DVR literally every single game in the NFL schedule, so I can start a game late, fast forward through the commercials, no wasted time. Um, and I just, uh, for me, Hawaii's more than a beach. Hawaii's not just um, palm trees and sand. It's a place that I, it's a community I want to be a part of. And I, I can't tell you how crazy it was to be, you know, we went to, we were going to all these places buying, when you're buying a bed, And you have a rug and you have like pots and pans and silverware and you're checking out. People pretty clearly know you're moving there. Like you're not just some tourist. And so uh, they were so welcoming. And so many people went out of their way to help us get a good deal or do this or do that. And every stop I went to was people just being very welcoming and kind. And um, I hope I can positively contribute to the community of Hawaii. Um, Now, I'm excited again. I said it a minute ago, but I'm really excited to be somewhere that I'm proud of. I grew up in Portland, Oregon. I didn't choose Portland. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Portland's not my home. It doesn't feel like home. And, and it's so cool. I, again, like walking around our street, you're like, we chose this. This is where we want to be. And it's a location we picked ourselves. Um, it's very, very meaningful. And I just want to say I'm, I'm so excited for the future. I'm so grateful. Um, and, and I cannot say thank you enough to the people who watch and listen to the show. I mean, you guys made that possible. And so I've spent like, what is it? 13 minutes now talking about Hawaii, but it, it's a, it's a big, deep passion of mine. It's something I've been working very hard on, like all off season. It's been trying to make this move happen. I knew I wanted to go somewhere and figuring it out. And it's been juggling like crazy. So to have pretty much all the hard work done, like all I got to do now is pack my studio into a suitcase, get on a plane and I'm done moving. Um, is amazing. And so, Uh, I just can't say thank you enough. I love you guys. I appreciate you so much. And uh, thank you so very much for uh, being part of making that happen. Now, I do want to shift gears to football. There's some big news that I got to cover that happened while I was away. I'm going to really quickly put on some. I got Burt's Bees lip balm. I think people don't realize it's hard to talk by yourself um, because you have no natural break. When you're in a conversation... Other people are filling time when you're talking to yourself in a room. It's just you for an hour and there's nobody else. There's no break for your lips. There's no break for any of that. So while I was away, Julio Jones got traded and, uh, you know, the star wide receiver was traded to the Tennessee Titans and it's old news, but I was away uh, out of town. I was busy moving. And I, I guess really the truth is when I sat down at my desk after the fact, I, I got back from six days away. I sat down at my desk and looked at the trade details. Like I knew he got traded, but like, oh, what did this team get for him, basically? And I looked at, oh, I, I and I, I guess I, I couldn't believe what I saw, that the to get Julio Jones, the Titans had to give up a second round pick and a fourth round pick. And that's it. A second and a fourth. So the Atlanta Falcons got a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. And the Tennessee Titans got not only Julio Jones, but they also got a 2023 sixth round pick. And so I look okay, at Julio Jones is 32 years old. It's an expensive contract he's on. So I, I get that, you know, it's it's high risk, I guess, because you're trading for an expensive player who's older. But Julio Jones is incredibly talented, really good. And the fact that he had to be packaged together with a sixth round pick to make the deal happen made me go Wow. Nobody there's no nobody values Julio Jones, apparently. So I looked at the trade and went, well, first of all, number one, good for Tennessee. Good for them. Their offense is now terrifying. I don't know how you defend them because they now have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones at wide receiver. Oh, yeah. By the way, they also have uh, Derrick Henry at running back. What do you you can't if you stack the boxes, stop, stop Derrick Henry and play man coverage. You got a problem. You can't you can't defend them downfield on on defense. So I I guess the obvious winner of the Julio Jones trade therefore is the Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill. The dude is getting support. Uh I'm really excited for him. He's better than people realize. I think what I love about Ryan Tannehill is his ability to make plays when it matters most. He's not flashy. His numbers aren't amazing, uh but he's he executes at a high level. He makes good decisions and he's really good on third down. He's really good in the red zone. Ryan Tannehill is better than people. Maybe I maybe they should do a film analysis of Ryan Tannehill. That actually sounds kind of fun. And I'll just, I'll have an open mind. That's my opinion of Ryan Tannehill. We'll see if the film backs it up. That's what I've seen in the many games I've watched him play. Um, but I, look, I really wanted the Titans passing game to take a step forward and develop after watching last year. This move is it. Trading for Julio Jones, it's happening. I I think, wow, okay. Tennessee is going to take a step forward on offense. They were already a playoff team. I felt like they needed to evolve their passing game. This is the move they needed to make to make it happen. That's wonderful. Now, here's the loser of the trade, in my opinion. It's either, I think it's the Colts, really, but it's also the Colts and maybe the Ravens, where you have a situation... Where Again, I I understand. I've said it before. I'll repeat it now. Julio Jones is 32 years old. He's expensive. But I really wanted the Colts to make a move and go get Julio Jones. And I was very disappointed that they didn't make that happen. He's ridiculously good. And if you're a team that's on the cusp of a Super Bowl, you're close. Julio Jones would push you over the top and get you over the edge. And the Colts have a quarterback, Carson Wentz, who's coming off the worst year of his career, who needs all the help he can possibly get. He's got a lot of support already in Indy. I was like, man, you you add Julio Jones to that Indianapolis Colts offense. Oh, my gosh. They didn't make the move. Here, Here's the thing, though. When I saw that price, you know, a, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick, and then, in fact, the Falcons had to package a sixth-round pick just to make the trade happen. They're like, we got to give Tennessee a pick, too. We're not just two-fourths and a, a to a second and fourth that's also a six round pick with Julio Jones to make it happen. It tells me that clearly this was the best offer. Atlanta had a hard time getting rid of Julio and I, I found that surprising just that 32 NFL teams and there was only some that could actually afford him. but there weren't more teams that made a better offer to get Julio Jones. and now part of that's like for example the 49ers didn't make sense they could afford him. people are like the 49ers should go for, make a move for Julio Jones. And I was kind of like, I don't know why they would do that. They're not as close to a Super Bowl as a team like Baltimore or Indianapolis. But why didn't the Colts make this move? Why did they, in fact, allow Tennessee to make it? And I know the Colts have a first or second round pick tied up uh, in the Carson Wentz trade. It's a uh, conditional pick where if he does really well, then Indy has to send a first round pick to Philly. And I think Carson is going to do well, and I think the Colts are going to have to send a first-round pick to Philly. But all Julio cost was a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. You're telling me Indy couldn't make that happen? And no one can say, well, the Falcons didn't want to send them to Indianapolis because they're not in their conference, they're not in their division. In fact, the Colts and the Titans are in the same division. So I, I feel bad. Because I I love the Colts GM, Chris Ballard, and I I defer to him. He must know more than me. And it's not the end of the world that the Colts didn't make a move for Julio Jones. But it's a trade they could have made happen, and it feels like they left something on the table where if they come up short next year, we're going to look back and go, hmm, might they have been better with Julio Jones? Because they would have been, easily. And again, here's the thing, not only did Indianapolis not get Julio Jones... He also went to their rival, the Tennessee Titans, who they play twice a year. Maybe you might put the Colts might play Julio Jones three times next year if the Colts and the Titans both make the playoffs and they play each other. So, man, you can easily argue that Tennessee, after making the playoffs two years in a row, are closer, minimum to, I think it's only two, because I think they made the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill two years ago. They beat the Ravens. Then last year they lost to the Ravens. But my point is... They're a playoff team who's now another step closer to a Super Bowl. And so not only did the Colts not get Julio, he ended up on their division rival. If Julio Jones went to San Francisco, I would be less worried about the Colts losing this trade. I'd say, well, okay, but now they, they still don't have to compete with Julio Jones. But to not get him and have to play him multiple times in your division, that's where it's like, oh, that's a, it's a double-edged, that's a really, it's a stick, it's a... Stick in, it's a it's it's a double edged sword. It's not good, and so the other team I, I thought I really wanted to make a move. I didn't. I'm not as critical, but I, I really wanted the Baltimore Ravens to make a move for Julio Jones. I mean, the Ravens have other problems to solve, but their offense is awesome, and I wanted to see Julio Jones catch the ball from Lamar Jackson. I'm like Lamar Jackson and Julio. That would be a really really fun dynamic. And uh, now the Ravens do have two young receivers, Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman, the former first round pick. Uh, Plus he added, you know, Sammy Watkins. They have Mark Andrews at tight end. But last year watching Baltimore, the consensus was for me, their passing game needs to take a step forward. And part of that is Lamar Jackson, their quarterback needs to take a step forward. And man, Julio Jones would have helped make that happen. And the fact that it, they, they didn't do that is weird to me. And I go, ah, oh, that's a missed opportunity. That's unfortunate that that didn't happen. And so, you know, I wanted more from Lamar. Uh, the Colts are trying to revitalize Carson Wentz's career. Julio helps both quarterbacks. And the fact that the Ravens and the Colts didn't make a move for Julio, you know, it's just, it's worth asking, where was Baltimore? It's worth asking, why didn't the Colts make this trade? Why did they allow their division rival, to make the trade instead. It's just, hmm, I don't know. Now, I will say, of all the teams that Julio could have gone to, because there were only a handful of teams that could actually afford him, of all the teams he could have gone to, Julio ended up on the team that needed him the most. It's a great fit. Tennessee needs to have a better passing game. And now they will. You know, they they have... <laughs> I, I, I like Ryan Tannehill but I wanted to see a step forward. They run the ball really well, but there were times I'm like, oh, you're kind of a one-trick pony. Now, again, I go back to how do you defend Tennessee? You can't stack the box because if you do, they can now beat you vertically in man-to-man coverage. So good luck against with any defense playing against Tennessee. And the Titans played the Colts two times this year. And the Ravens might play the Titans. They played them two years in a row in the playoffs and so might get that game again. And, and I, I just hope that if, the season comes to an end, and the Ravens and Indy come short. You come up short. I hope they don't regret not making a move for Julio Jones. When they're if they're close and they don't win a Super Bowl, and they feel like they left everything on the table, I'd say there's one more thing you could have done. You could have traded for Julio Jones. But again, uh, I I feel like I'm overly critical here. I'm not trying to be. I, I love Chris Ballard. I think that I, I'm excited to watch both Baltimore and Indianapolis. It's not the end of the world. And the Titans were the best fit for Julio Jones. So I'm very happy for them. And I just couldn't help acknowledging that price seems very low. Considering the impact Julio Jones can have. Uh, now, it, I sound silly because people are going to say, well, clearly he wasn't good. His team was so bad. But a team that's clo- a, a receiver makes a small impact. If your team is awful and you make a small impact, that's not enough. But if your team is really good... And you make a small impact, that's a Super Bowl. That's Percy Harvin on the Seattle Seahawks a couple years ago, where Percy Harvin did almost nothing and then in the Super Bowl was phenomenal. And you're like, oh, he's making play after play after play. A, a guy like that can put you over the top when you that's that's the difference between an AFC championship and a Super Bowl is one player like that to make key plays in critical moments. And I think Julio is going to be a lot more than just a guy who makes a couple plays next year. He's going to be a big focal point of the Titans offense. And so I just want to say, I think the price was really low. I'm surprised no one made a move for him. And I'm I'm wondering if it's going to come back to haunt Baltimore or Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, I want to go to Patreon. Randy wrote in with a question on Patreon uh, about college football. That's something you can do as well. Let me pull it up. This is what Randy had to say. He said, the college football playoff is considering expanding to 12 games. What are your thoughts on this? Also, what would be your ideal playoff setting? Should we just get rid of bowl games altogether? Question mark. Um, so first of all, I would not get rid of bowl games altogether. Uh, they're still valuable to teams like Tulane, Liberty, Rice, like really small schools who need the exposure and need the money. But it's also true. I mean, I, I've, I've been very – I have not been shy about sharing how much I hate bowl games. They're awful. Uh, I think of the Georgia-Texas game a couple of years ago where Georgia just looked uninterested. Georgia didn't want to be there. And these bigger schools that have aspiration of a national championship, when they get put in the poinsettia bowl, they're not excited about that. The – Hall. hey, I know you wanted to win a national championship, but how about the holiday bowl? And they are like – Nah, it doesn't do anything for me. I don't I I I couldn't care less. And it's bowl games just are not as a fan of football, me, I don't get that excited about them. I, I watch like John Boy Media puts out his breakdown, and every once in a while there's a crazy uh bowl game that has a wild finish, and I go, oh, I should watch the breakdown. But for the most part, unless it's a big high-level game with a good matchup, I'm not gonna watch it. I don't, I'm not, I don't get that moved by bowl games. I just don't care. I I, I care way more about the regular season where there are higher stakes and the game feels more meaningful. Uh, Now, a 12-team playoff, I think that's solid. I think that's, for me, kind of exciting. Personally, if nothing else other than the fact that it's news and it's change and any kind of new thing in sports is like, ooh, okay, I'll I'll watch that. But I I do want to say that the outcome will be exactly the same. We we don't need to have a 12-team playoff because if you're not one of the four best-ranked teams in college football, you're pretty unlikely to win a national title anyway. Like, we're never going to see the number 10 seed, like a, like Coastal Carolina, is never going to win a national title. That's okay, but my point is I don't know that we need them included in the playoff at all. Now, there might be, a team like, a fifth-ranked team or a, a sixth seed, like a Let's say Florida, who was really good last year, but they lost to Alabama head-to-head and therefore didn't get into the SEC championship game, but might have been better. And maybe Kyle Pitts would have played if it wasn't a meaningless bowl game. A team like that, an SEC team, or one of these you know really big teams that maybe has one loss and has a bad game, they could come out of nowhere, a fifth or sixth seed to win a title. But for the most part, you're not going to see, you know, the outcomes are still going to be the same. In a 12-team playoff, teams like Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State... They're going to remain dominant. But here's what I love about the new, uh, sorry, the potential proposed. So it's it's the committee is considering it. The idea of a 12-team college football playoff. What it's cool about is that it would replace many of these meaningless bowl games that are, they just don't have any, you're not playing for anything. That's the thing. Here's what I mean when I say it's meaningless. It means that you're not playing for anything other than like bragging rights or, you work all year telling yourself you're going to try to win a championship. And this is why the smaller schools care more they work all year saying we want to win a bowl game. But Georgia isn't working hard all summer to win the poinsettia bowl. Georgia has their mindset on a national title game. And when they find out they have no shot for a national title and they're playing in the holiday bowl, they don't care. And I don't blame them that much because you worked hard for this. And this is your weird kind of point, you know, side note. And I don't want to sound, I don't want people, I feel like I'm making college football players sound entitled. Uh, I went to Washington State. I had friends who played college football at Washington State. They went to the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. It was a good time. They had, it was a cool trip for them. A lot of those guys are never going to play in the NFL. So for them, it it was a cool trip. It was a cool experience. They got to see. The the naval ship there. They got to go to like Disney World and have like or Disneyland and have fun. There was a lot of fun stuff they did on that trip. Is my point. But for people that are focused on winning a national title, it's hard to get excited for this. So what it would do is instead of having these meaningless bowl games, it would create more interesting, more meaningful games with really good matchups. I would think too. And the way it would work is that the top four ranked or the The conference winning teams that were the highest ranked at the end of the season would have a first round bye in the college football playoff. So you would have, uh, so after that, then the number five seed would play the number 12 seed. Number six would play number 11. The seventh seed would play the number 10 seed. Eight would play nine. Uh, And so, like last year, it would have been Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma would have had a first round bye in the college football playoff. Then you would have had number 12 seed Coastal Carolina play number 5 seed Notre Dame, Texas A&M would have played Indiana, Florida would have played Iowa State, Georgia would have played Cincinnati. I love that. That's interesting. That's exciting. Hey, could Coastal Carolina steal a game from Notre Dame? That's fun. I think that's interesting. Oh, and by the way, Alabama wouldn't end up playing the 12 seed ever because they would play the winner. Of the eighth and ninth seed game, Georgia versus Cincinnati. What I what I just never want in college football in any playoff game scenario is I don't want Alabama playing the number 12 ranked team. I don't want the number one ranked team in the country playing a number 12 seed. That's not good for anybody. It's not entertaining. That's just a beatdown. You know, again, Alabama versus Coastal Carolina, Alabama versus BYU. It'd be terrible. It'd be over in five minutes. It wouldn't be fun. It's not interesting. It's not a game I ever want to watch. It's a complete mismatch. Now, this twelve-team playoff with a first-round bye for four teams is also interesting because, you know, round one would have four games, maybe one on Friday, maybe two on Saturday, and then one on Monday. Or if you do it at New Year's, you'd have like one on Friday and then one on New like three games on New Year's Day or three games on a Saturday, depending on how you structure it. So that sounds kind of cool. And then you would have the second round to be four more games. And I like that because four games is manageable to watch in a weekend. For someone who works, uh, and you know not not me, my job is sports, so I could make it happen. but someone who works a day job has a weekend off, if they wanted to, they could feasibly commit their entire weekend to watching games and watch four games over the course of a weekend. And that's not a crazy thing to answer. It's all day in front of your TV on Saturday. Maybe you leave it on on Sunday, you come catch whatever part of the game. It's interesting, whatever. But having one, two, three, four, five, and then six t- different games in a weekend, that's too many. It's hard to track that. It's hard to follow that many games for people who have real jobs and are not sports internet talk show hosts, right? Like I can do that, but my friend who's an engineer can't do that. That's that's not feasible for him. He loves sports, but he's probably going to skip at least two of those games because He can commit all his time. But if games are overlapping, it's just not it's not a good mix. So to have round one have four games, round two has four games, round three has two games. And then round four is the title game. I love that it would create good matchups and meaningful games. That's great television. And for the record, uh, I I guess it's important to say this is not going to happen until 2023 at the earliest. But it's in talks. It might happen. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers. That's what I'm rooting for, and and I gotta say, it would be cool to see smaller programs maybe steal a game from a bigger, heavyweight college football program. A U.S. You know, a UCF Central Florida beating Auburn or beating LSU or you know that Boise State Oklahoma game with the 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 trick play, the hook and ladder, and then the Statue of Liberty. That those kind of moments are moments we could get from this. That would be kind of exciting, where you have the 12 seed playing the 5 seed, and maybe they upset one of them. But in the end, um, I do want to be clear. Mostly, you can add more teams and we're going to have some fun moments. But remember that even adding more teams, it's still going to be dominated by the SEC, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. These blue blood traditional programs that get the best recruits every single year. Um, They're still going to dominate and win titles. So just don't expect a lot of outcome change even if we add more teams but what it does do is creates more meaningful games where teams that maybe won't win a title still have something to fight for and you'll have less people opting out like Kyle Pitts the tight end of Florida last year who didn't play in the bowl game because he's got to worry about the NFL and isn't playing for anything in the bowl game like if you if you skip a playoff game that looks really bad in the eyes of the NFL you're like oh you're not committed to winning a championship but you skip a bowl game the a bowl nobody cares so Having meaningful postseason football games is a big deal. It's a good idea, and I love it. All right. Uh, wow, that was, geez, like 35 minutes in a row of talking. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. Coming up, we'll talk about the NBA. We'll talk about Formula One. We'll talk about IndyCar. And later, I've got a really good Ask Zach segment. My name is Zach am Going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. I want to make a point to say that if you're not watching the NBA playoffs, you are making a really big mistake. It's phenomenal television. Uh, really, I mean, last night, Kevin Durant had 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists. He really elevated the Nets to a, a win and then a, a 3-2 series lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you know, it's good drama, too, where... You know, James Harden was playing hurt. Kyrie Irving is out with an ankle injury. So Kevin Durant was, you know, uplifting that team. And it was, oh my God, it's just an amazing, like incredible performance to watch last night. Uh, So Nets Bucks is really competitive. It's great TV. You have the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. That's, they're tied 2-2 in this series. And I think a lot of people were not expecting this to be as close of a series. Trey Young, the Hawks' young star, is very quickly becoming one of my favorite NBA players. There was an awesome series between Atlanta and New York, and the the New York crowd, oh, dude, he was the villain in the garden. I mean, it was just this really fun back and forth. I loved it. And, uh, you know, Philly had multiple chances to win two nights ago in Game 4 where Philly had a late lead by four, and then they allowed the Hawks to take the lead. Then they had a chance to tie the game and get the game-winning shot. They had they, they missed that opportunity. They had the ball with like 16 seconds left, and they missed that shot. And then another opportunity for a buzzer beater. They missed that shot. It was like, man, Philly just squandering opportunity after opportunity to win. Um, and I got to say, it's just cool to see Atlanta doing so well. I mean, it's been, it's been awful forever. And I look back to the Luka Doncic trade. And people were like, "Man, you know, Luka is clearly so much better." You know, it, with hindsight, last year and now we're seeing the the Trey Young move. Trey Young's paying off too. It's it's he's leading his team, and it's just I I love the whole thing. It's awesome. The Clippers Jazz are tied two two. Kawhi Leonard's hurt. He might be out for a long time. Uh, just keep your eye on that. You know, the Clippers Jazz series. And it's really cool. Like LeBron is out of the playoffs, so you have. There's no LeBron James, unlike, I, I know it's been a couple of years since the Warriors were good because of injuries, but there was a stretch where it felt like every year it was LeBron and the Warriors, and this year it's Devin Booker, Trey Young, Kevin Durant, it's so many new, different faces at the forefront of the NBA playoffs, and I just, it's awesome, I highly recommend it. If you're not watching the NBA playoffs, you should be. It's really, really outstanding TV. Uh, let's shift gears to Formula the one. About a week and a half ago, we had the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at Baku. And I was moving. It's been really hectic in my life. So finally, I get a chance to cover it here today. I'm really excited. Uh, and one of the most interesting parts about this race was the lack of presence from, I guess, lack of impact. from. It's not that they weren't present. it's it, But in the end, final result, Max Verstappen did not finish. And Lewis Hamilton was not in the points. So, you know, Max had tire failure, did not finish the race. Then later, two laps to go. Lewis Hamilton uh ran wide on a race restart and went off into the runoff. So you had both guys not finishing the points, and it just the battle for first was kind of held off for a week. You're like, oh, okay, things will stay where they're at. Everyone else climbs closer to them, but Lewis and Max did not extend their lead over everybody else. And I gotta say, it's kind of weird to say this, but I I'm glad Lewis had trouble too. You know, I I was afraid that you know, Max uh, got. I guess Max got lucky where Max had a D, uh, did not finish a DNF, and then Lewis still didn't take advantage of it. It was kind of weird and interesting, and I, I'm glad for that. If, if Lewis does get an advantage over Max and reclaim the lead in Formula One, I want it to be in wheel to wheel racing. I don't want it to be because Max blew a tire and didn't finish the race, therefore, automatically Lewis gets like 25 new points over over Max. If that makes any sense, I, I know I acknowledge Max got lucky. And I am a Max fan, but I'm I'm just glad. I want to see that done right competitively on the track rather than because of weird stuff that who knows. I mean, Pirelli and the tire and the Pirelli did an investigation Did the tire pop because it's Pirelli's fault. And anytime a company like Pirelli, a a tire company does an internal investigation, of course, they're going to have that investigation come up, making them look good. And I I don't want to dive into it. There's really nuanced, complicated stuff there. But without Max and without Lewis, there was a podium. With Sergio Perez uh, with Red Bull winning, uh, Sebastian Vettel got second for Aston Martin and Pierre Gassi got third for Alpha AlphaTauri. And you're like, ah, oh, man, what a refreshing, different podium. It's very cool. And the race had an awesome finish with lap, you know, lap 46. Max Verstappen uh, crashed after a tire failure and they ended up red flagging the event. There was even kind of a question like, are they going to finish the race? There's two laps left. What's going to happen here? And so they paused the race. They cleaned up the track. You know, they took Max's car off and carted it away. And, you know, I think part of it, part of why they, they red flagged it was simply because it's also good. You never want to finish a race under caution where everyone slowed way down and it, there's not real racing to finish the race. So what they did was they, they red flagged the race and we got a full restart. So with two laps to go, they brought the pack back together, have everybody sitting in the starting blocks. And it was amazing. The battle for third. Uh, between Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, uh, Lando Norris was pushing behind them occasionally up into fourth, passing uh, Charles Leclerc. For two laps, Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc went back and forth and back and forth, passing each other. In the end, Pierre won and got the podium. But ah, uh, it was wonderful racing. It was so much fun. And Sebastian Vettel got second. Uh, he hits his first podium with his new team, Aston Martin. And that's cool to see. It's also very encouraging where you go, hmm, Vettel finally got a good car. And maybe Aston Martin is making strides. And and clearly they are making a lot of progress with their car. And uh, Vettel had a rough year last year with Ferrari. The team, the, the car was never what Sebastian Vettel needed. Kind of the first time in a while, Sebastian Vettel's got a really good car was last week. You're like, oh, Baku, that's awesome. Good for him. And if, Aston Martin can give Sebastian Vettel a good enough car. Seb can win. He's got all the skill. He just needs a better car. It'd be really cool if Aston Martin elevated themselves into the conversation with, you know, McLaren and Ferrari to have those three teams, Ferrari, McLaren, and Aston Martin all battling for third. I love that thought. Maybe, maybe Ferrari can even elevate themselves up into the conversation for first place. I don't know, but I like that. The more competitive racing we get, the better it is for everybody. Now, by far, the biggest winner in Azerbaijan was Red Bull. Just the team. Their guy won uh, Sergio Perez. And it allowed Red Bull to extend their lead over Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. So Red Bull's in first. They have 174 points. And Mercedes is in second with 148 points. And Sergio Perez is really turning out to be Exactly what Red Bull needed from a number two driver. I mean, he—he's. It's not all on Max Verstappen anymore. They have a number two driver who can contribute and push for podiums and win. If Max doesn't finish, hey, Sergio won. It's really cool. That's great for Red Bull. That's what Red Bull's been missing for the entire time I've been following Red Bull the last couple of years. Um, and then to add insult to injury, Mercedes had. Valtteri Botas, in this race, finished 12th. He started 10th. He just never had the pace. The question is maybe something is wrong with the car. But his pace was bad flat out. He started in 10th. He finished in 12th, which is awful for a Mercedes-powered car. You're like, what's what's wrong? What's going on? He's bad in qualifying, too. And uh, I think I, I want to say that when Valtteri Bottas had a bad pit stop in Monaco and the tire wouldn't come off, there was a moment where after that race, Toto Wolff, the Mercedes team boss, came out and said, hey, uh, Valtteri Bottas is not innocent here. He went out of his way to make a point, hey, Valtteri Bottas pulled too far forward. Or maybe it was either pulled too far forward or didn't pull far enough forward. It's one of the two. He was in the wrong position, basically, when he stopped the car. And they're like, yeah, this is on Valtteri. And it was interesting to go, huh. He could have just blamed the mechanic. He didn't want to. He chose the team over Valtteri. And it kind of pushed Valtteri out a little bit. Like, huh. And I want to predict now, that was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of us starting to see the unraveling of Mercedes and Valtteri Bottas' relationship. They want more from their number two. They're going to replace him. Because Red Bull is really challenging Mercedes. There are rule changes coming to F1. The tide is rising around Mercedes And for a long time, they haven't really needed a number two. They've been like, ah, Lewis can carry us. Lewis will do really, really well, win almost every race. And and Valtteri Bottas can do something and contribute a little bit and be part of us winning. They've never needed an impact from their number two driver. Well, now, as Red Bull's challenging Mercedes and the other teams are starting to get better, Mercedes needs a number two driver who can contribute and score points and do more than Valtteri's done recently. So I I really think sooner than later, you're going to see George Russell replacing Valtteri Bottas as the number two driver for Mercedes. It's not good. I mean, the car had problems. I know that. But to finish 12th with a Mercedes-powered car and qualify 10th, I, I know the car had problems. I know. But it's not the first time where Mercedes has been wanting more from their number two driver. They can't stay put. Mercedes has to make a change to improve. And they're also not guaranteed to have Lewis Hamilton for much longer. Who knows how much longer Lewis Hamilton is going to stay in the sport? We don't know. He could retire at any time. So at some point, Mercedes has got to be prepared for that moment and start grooming the next guy. Valtteri Bottas is not the next guy for Mercedes to be their number one driver. If, if Lewis Hamilton retired, you would want George Russell ready, waiting in, waiting in the wings to be kind of groomed and be prepared. But you want to hear of him as the number two first to get him used to the team and then have a more seamless transition from Lewis Hamilton to George Russell. I don't think Lewis Hamilton's going to retire anytime soon. I don't know why he would. He might, but I don't, I don't know why he would, if that makes sense. He's, he's got plenty of years left driving. He's been dominating for, forever. But my, my point is that the problem with Mercedes right now is their number two driver. It's a big deal. They're going to have to make a move at some point. And I think, I love Valtteri Botas. I like his story. Uh, is, he got divorced and got he's got a new relationship. I like watching his Instagram story. Like I like the person. The driver's coming up short. And at some point, Mercedes is going to reach a breaking point. I think they already have. They're thinking now, the wheels are turning. Total Wolf is not dumb. It's like, hmm. We're going to have to make a move and replace this guy. By the way, uh, Yuki Tsunoda got 7th. Uh, at Azerbaijan, good for him. Solid points. I was happy for the rookie AlphaTauri driver. That's pretty cool. And, uh, coming up on Sunday, we have the French Grand Prix. I can't wait. It's going to be fun to watch. Formula One, man. Um, there's nothing like it. I- I've watched other motorsports. There's other things. There's other motorsports that do things very well. To me, uh, Ferrari is, uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> Ferrari. It's another F word. Formula One, uh, is, is just, uh, my my favorite racing sport and racing series in the world. Now, I do want to mention another one, though. I cover Formula One, and I'm a big fan of F1. And as a result, people often ask me, I'm an American, they're like, what do you think of IndyCar? And IndyCar is a similar racing series with single-seater cars. And I've I've always had some interest in IndyCar. Like, I'm like, huh, what's that? Okay, and it holds my attention for a little bit. I, I follow Colton Herta on Instagram. Like it's cool to see his life. I think that's a racing driver. He's an American. It's kind of cool from California. But there to be clear, there isn't the same star power with IndyCar as there is in Formula One. Formula One is Rolex and Aston Martin and it's European and they go to Monaco. It's there's more prestige and there's clearly more money in Formula One. Uh, however, uh, on Sunday, the F1 race, the Canadian Grand Prix was canceled due to COVID and travel restrictions and all this stuff. And so I was like, huh, I still have this deep desire to want to watch racing. And I'm like, well, how can I solve this problem? And I, I went to my DVR and I was like, oh, okay. I got the, I got IndyCar on my DVR. I have, you know, the Indy 500. There's a doubleheader in Detroit. And I, I watched all three car races in one day. I was only planning to watch one. I was like, I'll watch one race, see how it goes. And I watched one, and I liked it. And I watched another, and I watched another, and I was like, oh, wow. And I ran out of time. It was I mean, that's like a whole day worth of watching TV, but I just was like, it really hit the spot. It was phenomenal, phenomenal racing. And, uh, I, and I will be honest, I, w- I was very skeptical going in because, especially the Indy 500. The Indy 500 is, it's a bunch of left turns. I'm like, I don't, it's an oval-shaped track. I'm, how is that interesting? And Because I really like, Track diversity, you know, change of elevation and lots of turns and hairpins, and I, I, I love that stuff. Uh, and there isn't a lot of that, <laughs> obviously, when you race at Indiana Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But man, it, it won me over. I, I was not expecting to have a good time, and I did. The Indy 500. I watched Helio Castro Neves win the Indy 500. He's the, it's his fourth time winning that race, the Indy 500. It's, he's tied with three other people for the most Indy 500 victories of all time. And I watched and I felt bad for Scott Dixon where, you know, Scott Dixon ran out of gas because they closed pit lane and, uh, you know, somebody crashed in pit lane. So we couldn't get a pit stop when he needed to ran out of gas and therefore lost was down a lap and was the favorite to win and didn't win. And um, the Indy 500 is just back and forth, like lead changes and passing. And the final 25 laps were phenomenal. It was really really good tv and again I, I prefer a more diverse track but when you have four guys in the mix you had uh Palau Castro Neves uh Padua Ward Pajanod uh Pajanod Pajano I, is the d silent i don't know Pajan i my gut says Pajano they say it so quickly on tv i go Paginad, Pajano i don't know uh, kind of rhymes, too. Uh, but it's a shame to me that when you watch, like, IndyCar should be more popular. It, it really, and I don't know if it's because motorsport isn't more popular in America. Any- I don't know, but uh, it's a good product. IndyCar, th- that's a it's a well-run organization. That's a good product. I really like it. Uh, by the way, it was wild. The Indy500 had 1,000, sorry, I guess, let me say this again, 135,000. That's 135000 zero, 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 135k people in attendance. That's the biggest you know, get together, the largest gathering since COVID hit the world in 2020. That's um, it's like what? 135,000 people at that track and it looks I I actually in D500 might now be a bucket li- something I I never knew I cared about is probably now on my bucket list. I'm going to have to go to Indiana someday and watch a race cuz it looks unbelievable to be in that crowd. And I watched that race, then I moved on to Detroit. Detroit had two races back-to-back, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. It was a doubleheader. And I watched Marcus Ericsson win the first race on Saturday. He was a, he's a former F1 racer. He drove for Alfa Romeo in Formula 1. First of all, happy for Marcus Ericsson. It's, a, it's his first win in forever. Uh, he finally got a team good enough to win. In Formula 1, it's so unbalanced that you just can't— you'll never see a guy like Marcus Ericsson win a race because his team is so bad. It's so good for him. That's awesome. And then in race two on Sunday, you had Pato Award one and, uh, you know, two more great races in Detroit. And so we had, I, I it's kind of crazy. IndyCar has had eight different races this year, this season, and seven different drivers have won those races. So it's like, you know, Pato Award has won two. Everyone, every other race has been won by a different driver. That's amazing. I cannot commit to watching every single IndyCar race. I don't know how much more I'm going to watch. I, I'll i tell you this, though. Whenever I can watch an IndyCar race, I'm going to do it because it's great TV. It's uh, it's really competitive. It's close. It's fun. I really like it. And there are things I like more about IndyCar than F1. And I, hmm, there's a better way to say that. I think let me try that again. There are things that Formula One, how do I, I'm going to leave all the things. I, I think it's important for you to hear me try to get it right. There are things IndyCar does better than Formula One. I'm like, man, it's more competitive. Uh, there's way more parity. It's so much more competitive with the amount of people who actually have a chance to win every single race. And you see more passing and more wheel-to-wheel racing and... The costs are lower. Things are more standardized. So there isn't this crazy budget gap where Mercedes is spending $650 million and Haas is spending eighty. Like, how is that? It's never going to be competitive when you do that. And it's beautiful. And to the untrained eye, someone like me who I, I know a lot about cars, but not like everything, it's hard for me to go. I, I know that you can, I, I watch videos. I know the differences between a Formula One car and an Indy car. But my fiance. She doesn't know. She watches IndyCar and goes, "That's good enough." Like she can't tell the difference between an IndyCar and a Formula One car. So the uh, to the untrained eye, it's still exciting. They, they go. I think IndyCars actually go faster because uh, because of certain specifications. So I, I I like I hope that Formula One becomes more like IndyCar. Actually, it's my favorite series. I like the stars. I like the people. I like the teams. I like Europe. I like that it's global. But when F one adds the budget cap, I go hmm. Maybe they can be what IndyCar is, which is really competitive and uh, really interesting. And there's teams that kind of – any a lot of people have opportunities. Like to have a, a race where at the end of it, four people are in the mix to win? I can't remember the last time that happened in Formula 1. I, I can't. I, I can't. But that, that happens in IndyCar. And I'm like, wow. I watched three races. And I'm like, every time it's competitive, it's interesting, it's close. And, uh, and now, there is one thing Formula 1 does better. Uh, that I, I just, I'm going to have a hard time getting past. It's pit stops. Pit stops in IndyCar. F1 has more money, more glamour, uh, more star power. Sure, more Instagram followers, that kind of stuff. But for me, what sells me Formula One over IndyCar is the pit stop, where F1 has a 20-person pit crew. Pit stops are literally two seconds. I saw uh, Red Bull had a 1.9-second pit stop last week in Azerbaijan indycar has only a six-man uh pit crew so and they also have to refuel during the race so they get there very differently it's like a 15 16 second pit stop and that's man that's a big and that's not just that's just how much time you're sitting there let alone all the time lost taking a pit stop it's clunky and I, I, I really have a hard time with the refueling. It's like, this is so slow. Why can't we just have bigger fuel tanks? Why can't, like, it's, it's hard for me that, now I, I want to understand the, I don't understand it, but the IndyCar refueling technology must be like amazing. It must just transfer massive amounts of liquid very quickly because they do refuel incredibly fast. I mean, it's, it's not like it's nothing. It's just when you compare a pit stop and IndyCar to Formula One. It's different, it's nuanced, but I just, I think F1 is more impressive and more elegant. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. But IndyCar, it's still great racing, and you really gained my respect. I just, when I watched it, I'm like, huh, I, I've really been missing out for a while. And I would actually love, please let me know if there are, if there's any documentaries or docu-series or anything kind of detailing and documenting uh, IndyCar the same way, you know, Formula One has drive to survive. That's how I got to know Formula One. It's like, oh, I learned the people and the teams and the narratives and the storyline. If there's anything like that for IndyCar, please write in and let me know because I that sounds like incredibly fun to watch and to learn and listen to what's happening in IndyCar and learn about that sport because IndyCar, after three races watching, I'm very impressed and they have my attention. All right, uh, I'm going to take a short break. Coming up, we'll do Ask Zach, really fun, short segment. My name is Zach Shomler. Going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we are doing very, very well. It is time for Ask Zach, my favorite part of the show. It's where I answer questions from the audience. Uh, in case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. Uh, it literally helps pay my rent. Uh, I'm very grateful. Like Patreon is the most stable income I have. I love it. I'm very grateful. Um, But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question and submission with my eyeballs. And then I pick the top couple and I read them on the show. Question number one is from Devin. Devin writes in and says, put yourself in the shoes of John Lynch. That's the 49ers general manager. Jimmy G comes out and plays at an MVP level and brings the 49ers a Lombardi trophy. What do you do regarding the quarterback situation? Do you continue to build around Trey Lance or do you extend Jimmy Garoppolo? This is an extremely hypothetical situation considering we basically know Jimmy won't play at that level, but it's a fun little situation to think about given how much draft capital was given up for Trey Lance. So I have no idea what you would do. Uh, I guess my question is, does Jimmy G lead them to a Super Bowl or does Jimmy G win an MVP or both? Is it both or one or the other? Because he's led them to a Super Bowl before. And Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl and Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. I mean, I'd be afraid of being beholden to Jimmy Garoppolo if you gave him a new contract the same way you are, you know, the Ravens were beholden to Joe Flacco. You know, but if Jimmy G wins an MVP, you got to keep him. I mean, it's, you can't move on to another guy and risk. It's the same reason why the Packers are probably not going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Like, they move to an unknown when you have clearly great. That's stupid that you just don't do that. If you play, say, Alex Smith and you got Patrick Mahomes waiting in the wings, fine. But if Jimmy G is MVP level good, you don't replace him. It's just I don't think you do. But I, man, Trey Lance is cheaper. He's more talented. You invested a lot. I mean, it's. But you can't let your expectation guide you. You have to let the better player be your guy. If that makes sense. I don't know. I, I hope this happens though. It'd be crazy to see what they do if Jimmy G. I think what what I want is Jimmy G. to lead them to a Super Bowl, not the MVP, because MVP means you got to keep the guy. But if, if the 49ers win the Super Bowl next year and Jimmy Garoppolo plays all year, do they then move on to Trey Lance? I don't know. If he, if he wins an MVP, you just extend Jimmy Garoppolo and that's what you do. But if they go to a Super Bowl and he's, like, solid, man, I don't know. I mean, that's a really, really wildly interesting conundrum, and I—, I I don't know what I would do, but I'd love to see that scenario unfold. And I, I respect John Lynch a lot. Going to NFL Hall of Fame now as a player. Uh, great GM. I'd love to see what he would do. Dylan writes in, he says, If you could no longer eat meat from one animal, chicken, pig, cow, or seafood, which would you choose? Uh, and, and I assume, and why? So, for me, so by the way, one animal. seafood is not an animal, <laughs> to be clear. But I'm going to accept the, the inclusion of seafood because um, it it is kind of its own chicken and dark meat, you know, chicken and then red meat and then, um, so uh, what would I choose? I would choose seafood easily. Actually, I I love seafood. I love sushi. Uh, fish is phenomenal. However, the amount of plastic in fish is terrifying and it's alarming. You're like ah oh there's there's a great couple documentaries on Netflix go watch them uh plastic ocean and sea sparsity where you're like oh my god i don't i don't want to eat pl-. you're just if you eat fish it almost feels like you're eating plastic i mean i i've pretty much cut fish out of my diet i, I know i'm i'm moving to hawaii uh and i my, my fiance is going to want to eat sushi but i i don't i don't eat tuna i, I i'm really the more i d- dove into the ingredients of food like we got i got this gum this gum right here, simply gum, and it's called that because here are the here are the ingredients: organic raw cane sugar. Uh, there's there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven ingredients, and I'm like ah, and no weird chemicals. So the more I've dove into like what's in our food, you know, or extra virgin olive oil isn't actually olive oil. The extra virgin tag at the beginning allows you to add a bunch of other additives. So it's like. It could be 70% random chemicals and then a little bit of olive oil. My point is the more I've dove into what's in my food, more I'm like, I should eat just salad and go to the farmer's market. And I, I, I'm i fortunate enough I can afford to buy you know fresh food and not need to. Is it cheaper? I don't know. Is it really cheaper to buy just fruits and vegetables? I think it's actually – I think it is. In my experience, I go to the store and when I buy like just – fresh stuff. It's actually like often I found my, my grocery trips to be cheaper. Am I spending less money? I don't know if you add it all up, but I, my health matters to me. And I'm like, I feel like I'm becoming one of those weird juice LA people, but I'm like, I don't, what's in my food matters. I don't want to eat plastic. I don't want to eat weird chemicals. I want to, in Sardinia, in Italy, the people live really long. And a lot of it's because they don't eat processed foods. And the more I, I watch documentary after documentary about health and about the world and it all scares me. And so for me, I, I'm just going on this crazy rant now. I apologize, but what's what food group would I cut out? I already have pretty much cut out fish entirely. I don't, I'm never going to go out of my way to eat fish ever again. And not from the ocean, not seafood uh, because I don't want plastic. I, don't, I just don't want to eat straight plastic. And that's what it feels like when you eat a lot of these, uh, these fish that come from the ocean. Okay. Uh, Davis writes in, he says, Zach, if you had the opportunity to interview four people, one coach, one GM, one rookie, and one veteran player. Who would you choose for those slots? Uh, The GM I would interview is Colts GM, Chris Ballard. He's a great general manager. He's my favorite in the NFL. He's phenomenal. He, like, his ethos, his approach, he's clearly, like, phenomenal at picking players. Like, I I felt really bad earlier in the show. I was critical of the Colts for not making a move for Julio Jones. But I'm like, I realized, like, who am I to criticize? Like, he, he clearly knows more than I do. So... Chris Ballard, I'd love to pick his brain. I think he'd give good answers. I think he'd be interesting. Uh like I'd love to interview Belichick, but the problem is that if you interview Bill Belichick, you're not ever going to get a real answer. So I like the coach I would interview for, example, I would interview John Gruden because even though my favorite coach in the NFL is Matt Rule, the Panthers coach, uh the Raiders coach John Gruden would be fun. He'd be exciting. He'd be. His media training, he, he like gets excited and he just talks probably more than he should. But that, I love that. John Gruden loves football. And I would kill to interview the guy because it would leak out of him. He'd give you great answers and interesting stuff. I, my first question would be, John, why do you love football? Can you imagine what he would say? Can you imagine like why? Hey, anybody in Vegas interviewing John Gruden, please ask him that question because it'll be a phenomenal answer. So I I, I just I want to interview John Gruden in a heartbeat. I want to interview uh, Chris Ballard. People's passion really comes out. I like interviewing people that are clearly passionate about what they do. The veteran would be Tom Brady, like the Buccaneers quarterback. Tom Brady is the, the one veteran player. If I could, I would. and He would give me good answers. I know that because he, he would just share. He's been really very open recently since he moved to Florida. Uh, like he's been liberated from Bill Belichick. I would love to interview Tom Brady and maybe someday that'll happen. My, my fingers are crossed. Maybe when he's old and dying, he'll make time for me. I, I would love that. Um, the rookie player I would want to interview is Vikings rookie quarterback, Kellen Mond. Now, it's weird. I mean, people are like, why not Trevor Lawrence? Why not Justin Fields or Mac Jones? Or well, The reason why Kellen Mond is the guy I would want to interview is because I, I believe in him. And I, I think talking to him would confirm a lot of the things I believe about him. Where I'm like, look, this guy is the truth. He's got this killer attitude. He works incredibly hard. And I think it'd be fun. I, he He's clearly very passionate about football. And I think it'd be a fun interview. I think I could get really good stuff by interviewing Kellen Mond. And it would be able to answer some of the questions I have in my head. Like, why do you, well, why, why this, why that? So I I don't know. Like, for example, I really believe in Keaton Slovis, the USC quarterback, and getting to talk to him and do an hour interview with him made me feel even better about the guy. Oh, yeah. He confirmed my belief. He loves football. He's well thought out. He's smart. He's prepared. Like, I was like, yeah, this this kid's awesome. So I'd love to interview Kellen Mond. Connor writes in, uh, and Davis, by the way. Davis had a very similar question to Connor. I already read Davis's question, so I went with Connor here. Um... Connor says, hey, Zach, huge congrats on the Hawaii move. Uh, I'm so happy for you. He said, I'm so made up for you. I think it must be a a British thing. I don't know. Was just wondering what the the local sports scene is like where you are. Will you be able to go and watch anything cool? And a similar question from Davis. Davis said, "Uh, being out of the content on the U.S., it might be hard to watch some NFL games live. Will you attend some Hawaii Rainbow Warriors games? Um, First of all, thank you, Davis. Thank you, Connor. Yeah, I'm living my dream. I'm really excited. Um first of all, I don't plan on going to any games in in twenty twenty one. Um I money's tight. I just made a big move. I I don't have like the luxury of going to Tampa Bay to watch I I, I could if I could, but I, it's not feasibly financially possible right now. Um and I, I also, to be very honest, I prefer watching games from home. I like there's no better setting than on your couch. Or I guess I watch at my desk. My desk, my own food, my own drinks, my notes in front of me. When you take notes at a live event, it feels weird. People around you are like, "What? What is this guy doing?" Now, when you as media, I, got, I I did the XFL games uh, from the press box. They invited me to the press box. I, I got to take notes there. When you're media, it's fine. But when you're a person going to a game, I would want to take notes, and and then I felt weird. Like I went to Cincinnati to watched Tom Brady play. Uh, the Patriots and Tom Brady, his final year in New England. I watched him play in Cincinnati, December 2019. And uh, it was, I was taking notes and it was a little bit weird. There were people who were like, no, I can handle it. I don't really care. But I just, I know that I'm an introvert. I don't like crowds very much. Um, I think the best way to watch football is at home. You can mute the cr- commercials. There's, uh, there's a lot of wasted time when you go to a game. If you think about like, hey, I have 10 hours today to watch games And I cover the NFL from a really, you know, a a, a 10,000 feet away, like a a whole, I cover the whole league at once. And so if I go to one game, that's six hours of my life, probably between transit and food and this and that. So I miss out on other games and I've wasted a lot of my day where I got to then try to watch other games and then cover them the next day. It's impossible. So now I will say in 2022, I would like to go to. In the Midwest probably because it's all so close together and get an Airbnb, make that my, you know, command my mobile command center, we'll call it because a fun marketing term, uh, and, and record content on the go and say, Hey, I'm just, I'm going to sacrifice this week. I'm going to this game. I want to do that someday. And I'll do, I'll record podcasts from an Airbnb someday. I got a pretty good mobile setup now. Uh, I was going to use it in Hawaii and then you know, I was so busy moving. I end up not recording anything there. Um, but for the most part, I don't have uh, – I'm not that interested in going to games. I think it's better to watch games from home if you're trying to cover them. Um, but I ah, – we'll see. I, I'm open to the idea. Will I go to any Hawaii games? Yeah, I'll go to one or two. Uh, I got offered to work on the sidelines, and I said no because uh, I – look, I, I it's just not – it's not what I want to do. I want to sit home and watch Alabama play Oklahoma. I want to play – like I want to – I want to watch other stuff and when you go to a game you're so limited with your time but I'll go to a I'll pick a good I would like to make a point to go to the Portland State Hawaii game Portland State is playing at Hawaii this year and I've got a lot of friends who play on the Portland State team that'd be very cool to watch you know Davis Alexander my buddy uh, play quarterback in Hawaii where I live like that's kind of cool I'll go to that game but for the most part, I'm not going to go out of my way to go to Hawaii games. I'd rather honestly go to their, like, a basketball game. That'd be fun. When the season's over and I have some time to chill, then I'll go to Hawaii stuff and have a good time. And my buddy Aaron uh, Wakamatsu and I will go, and he's a, he's a cool food writer. He loves, he loves Hawaii sports. We'll go to that. But, um, yeah, for me, I'm not a big fan of going to games. I feel guilty saying that, but it's true. Joshua writes in. Joshua says, congratulations on the move. Um, oh, 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 I missed one. Zach wrote in. I am so sorry. Zach, he's got the same name as me. He spells it with a K, but whatever. He says, hey, Zach, with Julio Jones being traded, it made me incredibly sad. Have there been any trades or retirements that made you feel emotional? Keep up the great work. I look forward to every one of your shows. So, yeah, for me, I was so disappointed when Philip Rivers retired. Philip Rivers had more gas left in the tank in the game didn't want Phillip anymore. And I don't blame him. And there's so many young quarterbacks and there's so many people available to play quarterback in the NFL. Um, and the Colts wanted, I think Carson Wentz and so they moved on from Phillip Rivers. But man, I wanted to see Philip Rivers win a Super Bowl and he never did. And I, I just, I man, man, I felt like he's missed opportunity. I really wanted to see Phillip Rivers continue to be involved in the NFL. It's actually, that's why it's so good to see Phillip Rivers coaching high school football now is he clearly has a love for the game and I thought he, he probably retired a year or two before he should have. Same with Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Gosh, man. If Tony Romo had stayed the Cowboys quarterback for one more year, they might have won a Super Bowl. I mean, it, they had this amazing window and they missed it. And part of that was Dak. You can't say that, but I thought Tony Romo was the best quarterback the Cowboys had and they chose Dak anyway. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, man. So Tony Romo and... Philip Rivers really disappointed me. That's why Matthew Stafford going to the Rams is so exciting because Matthew Stafford got rescued early. Matthew Stafford has an opportunity to revitalize his career and to show, hey, I've been really good for years, but I was locked away in Detroit. Kind of like Philip Rivers was good for years, but he was locked away in San Diego and then in the end, LA with the Chargers. So like you can be a great quarterback on a bad team and hit a ceiling every year and I man, Matthew Stafford going to the Rams, getting a good organization and a good team. Hey, we might not see, I might not feel as sad when Matthew Stafford retires because maybe he'll retire with a Super Bowl or a really good run or two and a playoff run and a victory or two. Like that's what I want to see. So a missed opportunity. That's what Philip Rivers felt like and it hurt and it made me sad. Okay, Joshua writes in, he says, congratulations on the move, Zach. What was something during the move that completely blindsided you and that you did not see coming, but you had to deal with once you flew in? On the flip side, what was something you meticulously planned out and were prepared for when it happened? So uh, I packed very well. I, I, I packed early. I had all my stuff in suitcases ready to go. I was really like I knew exactly what I wanted to bring. I knew exactly what I wanted to get rid of. I, I shred like dude. I probably got rid of like 80 percent of my stuff in that move. I was like, I don't want clutter. I don't I want to be very minimal. I, I don't need a lot of stuff. Uh, and I packed all my stuff, and was like, ah, freedom! I When you have very little belongings, it's hard to make a mess. It's easy to manage stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of the way I packed and the way I pared down my entire life into, like, three suitcases. I was like, this is awesome. Now, a couple more, because the studio has got to go, too. But probably not the curtains, probably not the curtain rods, you know, stuff like that. But uh, I was really proud of how I packed for Hawaii, fitting my entire life into three suitcases. Um... What I didn't expect was a mess. The apartment we got was remodeled, so they didn't clean up afterwards at all. At all, there was dust, there was dirt. Uh, It was awful. It's just, just not good at all. And um, we had to clean for days and days. And I I, just, where you did, you you ever Swiffered a room? Like use a Swiffer Wet Jet, and I guess we have the wet mop. I guess is what it's called, but it's just black. And you, you, I just kept swiffering the floor and swiffering the floor and swiffering. The floor. And it was just black and black and black. And like, there is so much dirt in this room, it's unbelievable. And you're like scraping paint flecks off the the, the wood floor because someone painted but they didn't put down anything on the floor to protect the floor. So there's paint splatter everywhere, and you got to just chip it off off the wood. And our we have a deck, thank God we have a deck, but it's concrete and it it was also black. I think someone had smoked back there for years, and so there's just like you ever like you wipe the inside of a wall of a smoker's house and it's just like a layer of like dirt and grime that builds up from the smoke collecting on the wall. We had that and I just, it was so dang dirty. But I, yeah, it's clean now. I, I worked my butt off for six days scrubbing on my hands and knees, literally. Um, and it's it's beautiful now. So I wasn't prepared for the mess, but we dealt with it. Uh, internet though, I, I man, I one thing that surprised me in a positive way was the internet. I, I knew the internet was fast enough because I got, like, the neighborhood rating. Uh, but they actually – they said when I got there – because I, I gave them my address, and you go on the website, you type in your address, availability, said this. But I went into Spectrum to pick up my equipment, and they said, hey, by the way, we just upgraded your neighborhood. Like, you can have even faster internet if you want, and it's for, like, 20 bucks more a month. And I was like, what? And so I have, I have a gigabyte internet of, like, literally 940 megabytes a second for – like nothing. It's am- It's so amazing. I'm like I can't I can't believe. I'm paying I'm paying 80 bucks a month for internet. And I pay 250. I pay cuz I need internet for my job. I pay 250 bucks a month for like crappy slow internet in Portland where I live. And I'm paying 80 bucks for five times the speed in Hawaii. I'm like I don't that's unbelievable to me. It made me so happy. That's that's the best blessing of the trip. It's just like how I got the internet set up and it was like so fast. And I was like, yeah, hallelujah. Okay, Brody writes in, interesting question. I had to, I thought about it a little bit, but it came faster than I would have thought his answer. Brody says, if you could switch lives with somebody for a day, who would you pick and why? Love from Canada, love the show. I'd pick Jeff Bezos. I, I want to be Jeff Bezos for 24 hours. I get a day. I'm assuming I get 24 hours. And I'm spending – I'm not sleeping at all. I'm spending all 24 hours spending money like crazy. I'm giving Zach Schomler a house myself. I'm buying myself a house. I'm buying myself a farm probably in Hawaii. Um, and I'd spend so much money to help people. I'd be like, I don't under- – oh, Man, I can't believe Jeff Bezos doesn't do anything to help like, – he gives away like trivial tiny amounts of money. Like, But if Jeff Bezos really wanted to, he could end world hunger. He could like do so – much and he doesn't and it's like why I don't what does Jeff Bezos need more money for he, so he gets his big swinging dick and just like waves it around it's like ha look what I got I don't I don't get it I don't understand I I get I get greed to some degree like I, I want a house I want a backyard I want dogs I want uh I want to provide a good life for my kids like I get I get that but once your basic needs once you have a house and paid off and you have like enough money for a boat and you have kids. It's like, at some point, don't you reach enough where you're like, I don't need more. I certainly am hopefully going to reach a point where I'm like, I don't need more. And then I'm going to give away lots of money and help people in the community and do stuff like that. Uh, I'm years away from that, but hopefully I want to have a house someday. Like in 20 years, maybe I'll pay off my house. And then the money I was spending on my mortgage, I'll spend to donate to this. I mean, I really have a heart for that. Alex Honnold, the mountain climber, who lives in a van, gives away a third of his income every year to donate, and I, w- I would love to like. I think it'd be so cool to buy a house and then rent it out and use the profit not to use not to use the profit from the rental to give to myself, but to use it to put in a a fund and then go to like Africa and build a well or build uh, solar panels. I mean, I'd love to use that, and I just I want to help people if I can, and I'm not there yet. I'm still kind of getting by, but man, I it's such a thing that I care about, and so if I if I had Jeff Bezos' money for a day. I am, dude, I am doing so much to, I'm spending that money so quickly to change the world that I just can't, I, it's, it's unfathomable to me. I'd love to interview Jeff Bezos. Like, what the hell are you doing with your money? Like, what's your plan? You're just hoarding money for like no reason when you could do so much to help the world if you wanted to. Um, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, two questions left. Alex writes in, Alex says, Hey Zach, I know you aren't a big fan of the MLB, but you are a fan of baseball. You're dang right. The MLB has had a big problem with many pitchers throughout the league using foreign substances. My question to you is, if you were the MLB com- commissioner, which you would be better, which you would be a better one than Manfred? Yeah, I would. How would you respond and or fix such a huge scandal that is becoming larger and larger in the MLB? As always, thank you for all you do for us. Thanks, Alex. Number one, I'd try to hire John Boy or make a partnership with John Boy. John Boy, John Boy is probably the best thing for baseball in years john boy media the guy who does it uh i think his name is charlie i've actually dm'd to them john boy like the person behind that account incredibly kind incredibly nice very good conversation i think i talked to i think jimmy o'brien is his actual name i think i've died i'm pretty sure i was talking to jimmy o'brien because it was way before they, they became what they are now um like, wonderful wonderful human being whoever i talked to i think it was jimmy o'brien um and I, I guess it's good that Jimmy O'Brien. And I know I'm going off topic, but I'm I guess it's good that John Boy Media is separate from baseball because they keep them accountable. But if I was the commissioner of baseball, I'd want to have a relationship with them that's good. I'd say, hey, your breakdowns—you can make money on them, and I, you guys keep us accountable, but you also send us viewership. Like I, I care about baseball because of John Boy. Because he shows me how beautiful of a sport it is. And he's good for baseball. I I saw a comment on YouTube today. It's like John Boy's done more for baseball than anybody in the past 20 years. It's true. Now, Alex, answer your question. Here's how you handle people using foreign substances in baseball. You punish them. And you punish them harshly. You get a long suspension without pay. You, You get fines. You don't tolerate it. Baseball, for whatever reason appears to not want to punish anybody for cheating. I don't understand. I don't understand. You can you can't you can't tolerate it. And I great pitching is awesome. Every once in a while I'm in the mood for like I want a game one to nothing with just beautiful pitch after beautiful pitch and a masterful pitching performance. I watch Clayton Kershaw and I'm like, "Wow." But I also the other 99.9% of the time when I watch baseball, I want to watch home runs. I want to watch runs. I want to watch base runners. I want to watch interesting, fun, exciting baseball. And they just, for whatever reason, don't want to make that happen. So Alex, uh, I hope that answers your question. Ben's got a fun one to end of the show. Ben says, hey, Zach, congrats on the move to Hawaii. Love seeing your story. You're living the dream. And we're happy to see that. Thank you, man. I, I'm doing my best. I love, love, actually, I got to say, uh, Brody Runner said, if you could switch lives with somebody I, first, when I read it, I didn't read the Fur the day part. Cause I was like, if you could switch lives with anybody, what would you do? I wouldn't permanently. I would not switch lives with anybody. I love my life. I'm very happy and fulfilled. So uh, anyway, side note. Thank you. Ben says, what are some new movies that you're looking forward to watching this summer? I'm personally excited for in the Heights and the green Knight. Love to hear your thoughts and thank you for your time. Uh, so the number one movie for me this summer that I want to see that it's already out, but I haven't seen it yet as a quiet place Two. uh, I, I think, I think it's coming to like Amazon soon or something. I, I want to watch it at home. I think theaters are not even open where I live cause COVID sucks. Um, but I, I want to go watch a quiet place Two. I think that'd be awesome. Now, after that, you mentioned it, the green Knight looks awesome. It's got Dev Patel from, um, I, I believe slumdog millionaire was it, no, was it him? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also Life of Pi. Gosh, I hope I'm not culturally appropriating. <laughs> I, I think I remember the, both of those movies being Dev Patel, I believe. Um, Indian guy, great actor. Uh, he, it's The Green Knight is a story of the Knights of the Round Table. And uh, I, I love Arthurian legend. I love any kind of movie that's the Knights of the Round Table, Arthur, Robin Hood, that kind of stuff. I, I, I really loved it. Like Le- Ar- King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. It's a Guy Ritchie movie phenomenal now this is an a24 movie it's probably darker it's probably more heavy it looks darker it looks more heavy um but it looks awesome and i i i really really uh want to watch that i also want to watch roadrunner it's a film about anthony bourdain i'm gonna go watch that with my dad uh we were both anthony bourdain fans he took his own life uh, my brother took his own life suicide's real if you're struggling go get help uh i'll probably go with watch that with my dad and we can cry together. Um, Black Widow comes out, I believe, July 9th, uh, because I looked at the date today. I'm going to drive to... There's a theater open somewhere in the Northwest, if not here. It probably is open here, because we're opening restaurants. I don't know. I want to see that movie with my dad before I leave for Hawaii. Um, I want to see Fatherhood. I think it's coming to Netflix. Fatherhood's a Kevin Hart movie about a single father. It looks like a sweet comedy that's probably touching and got some moving moments. I want to watch that. And then... Uh, probably, and, and out of obligation, because I really don't care, but I'm, I'm sure I'll probably watch Space Jam because of LeBron. Uh, but I, maybe I won't, I don't care. Space Jam, I don't need to cover that on the show, so I, I guess not. I won't watch it. I don't, I don't care, but I, maybe Space Jam, which I never saw the original and the new one looks completely uninteresting to me, but, uh, Quiet Place 2, Green Knight, Road Runner, Black Widow, and Fatherhood, maybe Space Jam. But guys, look up the trailer for Green Knight. It's cool. And COVID's weird. I mean, there are a lot of movies I was excited to come out recently that are not coming out because of COVID. So I'm I'm excited. Movies are like coming back slowly. Like oh, we're we're doing it, guys. We're, we can go to restaurants now. Movies are coming out again. It's getting better. Um, I don't really want, is it weird that I want to watch Avatar 2? Like whenever that comes out, I'm excited about it. I Avatar is such a weird generic franchise, but I'm I'm so also fascinated by it. I don't know. Can't wait to watch that. Whenever that comes out, probably in like 2027. All right, guys. That's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. That's my sports podcast. Talk about movies for like 10 minutes uh, and Hawaii for like 15. I love you guys. I appreciate you. But um bum Bam. We are done.